Hello and welcome to the Stealth Auto Show. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by the one, probably not the only, but the one I know, Sam Green. Hello. How are you, Sam? Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Good. Good. Sam, this is part two of our three-part epic of the Formula, of the, uh, Formula One 2022 season. Uh, three-part epic? Yeah, it's... Um, well, I don't know if it's going to be epic, but it will certainly be long if you listen to all three back-to-back. Well, there is that, I suppose, yeah. But, uh, yes, we're into this part two. And this is a bit late because I overslept when we were meant to record it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, sorry about that, dear viewers. Not Sam. It gives us an extra... Well, obviously not to me. Um, no, it just gives us an extra couple of roses to talk about, though, doesn't it? So Yeah. So Good job, John. So they are. You, that means next time you get a very short third seat, third of the season, but then also some gossip. So there you go, viewers. You're going to enjoy, mm. enjoy enjoy that one. Okay, Sam. Yes. Back in. When was it? June. Was it really June? Yeah. Wow. Yes. June. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix of Azerbaijan in Azerbaijan happened yes round eight of the season let's discuss it yeah so um i kind of think everyone coming into this i, I don't know at this point in the season maybe looking back we were like yeah this is always going to be a red bull circuit really um but i don't know maybe at, the, at that point did we still ferrari was still pretty quick the car was good we thought if they could sort themselves out maybe they'd be fine you're foreshadowing here sam um yes the the championship was still quite alive at this point um it was still touring of ferrari between ferrari and red bull race to race by this point uh red bull started to go on a bit of quite a long wave they had one two three four victories uh in a row five in total ferrari only had two but should have won the spanish grand prix so you know we were still we were still hopeful at this point we were, yeah, and it was it was closer, wasn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, this is always a bit of a bogey track for Charles Leclerc, isn't it? He doesn't necessarily do well no. at Baku. Coming, coming um, to this race, Max Verstappen had 125 points, Leclerc 116, Perez 110, and then the big old gap to George Russell on 84 and Charlie Sainz on 83. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull had 235 points, Ferrari 199, Mercedes 134 and then McLaren 59. But Alfa Romeo saw on 41, so they were still sort of in it. That's uh, again foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> and then we got to Azerbaijan. So we already knew by this point that Red Bull powertrain, I Honda, um, it, it was pretty pretty strong. It's pretty. It was very. I think they, yeah, the strongest engine, weren't they? So. Um, we thought, hands down, this is likely to be a Red Bull whitewash, um, just because of how fast Baku is. I know, I know it's a street circuit, it's got some pretty tight corners and some technical sections, but generally speaking, it is pretty high speed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you would have thought that's going to suit the most powerful engine down to the ground, really, isn't it? Um, but in qualifying... Charles Leclerc had other th- had other plans. Yes, this is, um, uh, he got his Ferrari on pole position, which um, 
again, not to spoil the rest of the season, is a uh, another running theme. <laughs> yeah. He'll uh, plenty of pole positions, maybe not so much in the races. Um, but yes, he got pole position by three tenths of a second in the end, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, from, mm-hmm. from Sergio Perez, uh, Max Verstappen, another tenth fish behind. Um, and just this was where we sort of saw peak porpoising from Mercedes and their their moaning basically. Uh, George Russell, yeah, it was always was always going to be that I think, wasn't it? With the length of the straights here and the speeds involved, there was always going to be porpoising. What is the? Distance I remember watching. The last corner to the first corner. It's, it's like well over a kilometre, isn't it? I, think, I want to say it's like a mile and a bit. It's, yeah, it's huge. And it is, although it's not an arrow straight, straight, it is still flat out, easy flat. It's essentially a straight. It's all DRS, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, or the vast majority of it. So it must be pretty, pretty straight. Um, I mean, this was the race where we saw Lewis Hamilton like in visible discomfort when he was getting out of the car because of the level of porpoising. Like you could tell this was starting for some of the drivers to become more of just an inconvenience. Uh more than that. It was becoming more of an actual problem. Others were still not bothered about it. <laughs> Others well, I mean, yeah, and arguably it was the younger drivers who were just like, Yeah, it's fine, I'll get on with it. And the older drivers, people like Sebastian and and Lewis Hamilton, who uh, maybe were struggling with it more, just because they're a little bit older, they've been doing this for longer. Um, now, and it's you... and it's a big impact on the on the driver. To be fair, that it's... level of porpoising. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously comes forth because the F one car doesn't really have suspension for the driver. Um, no, you're kind of bolted into the chassis. Um, probably not bolted these days. Probably something much more complex, but. Uh, um, you really do feel every bump and shock that comes through the car. Um, now, <clears throat> similar to karting, I imagine, Sam, when you go over rumble strips in a car, so you obviously will feel it a lot more than if you go over in a car. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it does cut, cut, I assume karting doesn't have this exact issue, but sort of anything relatable? It will have some, yeah, some similarities of the fact that obviously with karting as well, although generally the curbs are karting sized they're smaller they are still quite harsh sometimes um and and certain tracks you have to really hit those curbs to get the most out of the corner Mm. um but that's why a lot of drivers in karting will wear rib protectors um like a back brace almost they might have a little bit of padding on the on the base of the seat try and help with that sort of thing um if they can afford to have the extra weight assuming that is the case um but uh yeah it's it's a very it's a similar issue but it is something that you would think as a racing driver once you've left karting you're probably not really going to have too much of a problem with anymore no um because these days of course uh, a, a, lot, yeah. a lot of the suspension quote unquote in formula one is in the sidewall of the tires which of course was yeah. significantly reduced this this it was this year wasn't it the new Pirelli's. it was this year yeah 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 with the, with the lower co- lower profile compounds yeah so i imagine that's also added to the discomfort side of it the same similar to how when you have run and flat tires on a car they're just that bit stiffer they're as a result a little bit crashier yeah, they're just not as comfortable generally. If you want, if you're trying to make your car more comfortable on the road, get big chunky tires with a big sidewall on it, uh, and then you're fine. You're all good. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it. 
yeah, it's not probably not dissimilar to karting, but yeah, at the level of Formula One and the speeds involved in Formula One and the length of the races as well, by comparison, it's it's not it's just not as uh, not comparable really. It might be one or two corners in a kart circuit, whereas at Baku you're doing it for a mile and a half, fifty laps worth, like a, an hour and a half, yeah, um, every single lap. So it that is knackering for one, I'd imagine, and two, probably physically painful, and also the best one in the world as well. Although the human eye is a very clever thing, there's got to be a certain aspect of you can't see well, as well. I've always wondered this because obviously. When you have, think of a rally car, that's equally as bumpy and sort of bewildering, I suppose. Well, I mean, yes, you say that, but actually, when you watch, um, maybe not helmet cam. I'm not think I've seen much helmet cam of rallying before. I've, done, I've seen the occasional clip, but um, obviously, other than like the jumps and stuff like that, a rally car does have a lot of suspension travel and very clever shocks and dampers and stuff like that to try and iron out a lot of that um and the wheel might be moving quite frantically but the body of the car doesn't so much um unless you're a particularly big rock obviously but um <laughs> but then, generally but then, speaking, then, then you've generally got different problems to worry about more like the car is yeah. doing a somersault through the air but, uh... He's, well, exactly yeah <laughs> but on a regular sort of gravel stage i would imagine it's not that bad really because the stages are maintained they're not full of potholes and terrible bumps and and terrible things like that they are designed as a rally stage to a certain extent so they are maintained and flattened a bit and made safe as much as anything Hmm. whereas um yeah and also with, with the best one in the world as well in rallying one you have the pace notes two you aren't going as fast generally um and three, you're not doing it for as long. I know a rally stage is probably 15 minutes or so, but that's and that is a very high intense thing. But you're not doing it for an hour and a half solidly at 200 mile an hour. Then some people would argue that uh, you are feeling bumps and stuff all the way through a rally stage, whereas on a F1 race, you're only feeling it down a straight. Well, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Anyway, maybe we need to try it out. We'll have to try yeah. it out if. Uh, if... If anyone wants to lend us a Formula One car and a rally car, then we'll do we'll do the experiment. Yeah, we'll test it out for you just to just to prove the point so that uh, porpoising is fine and uh, we yeah, exactly. And yeah. everyone should just stop moaning. Yeah. Right. Back to the races. Um, Perez led initially for in, in Azerbaijan. Uh, we this is all part of the the big hype of going yeah Perez for the title after his win in Monaco. Um, he led for a while and that that he didn't, but he did still beat basically everyone yeah because both Ferraris retired in this race this yes was, this was a, um, this was another another foreshadowing thing which is a Ferrari unreliability we had Carlos Sainz retire on lap 8 Carlos Carlos what's his name Char, Char, Charlie Sainz Charlie Leclerc there we go Charles Leclerc retire on lap 21 with a power unit uh, Guan Yu Zhou retired with hydraulics and Kevin Magnussen uh, also with a power unit on lap 31 so mm, not, not yeah, great the but, own of the five retirements, four of them were Ferrari powered or Ferrari cars. Um, so yeah, I mean it's um, <clears throat> perhaps not their greatest of races, no. <laughs> but it could have been. Well, I say it could have been worse. It couldn't have been much worse, really. No, I mean, were there any Ferrari powered cars in the points? 
Um, no. No. <laughs> so it couldn't really have been much worse at all. No, Bottas nearly got a point, but he didn't. Yeah, so, so there. Um, coming he out... was him and him and Mick were the only finishers for a Ferrari engine. Yeah, so uh, coming out of there, Verstappen now led by a hundred. He won the race, by the way. Uh, one hundred and fifty points. Uh, Sergio Perez went to second place, one hundred twenty-nine. Charles Leclerc, one hundred sixteen. George Russell, ninety-nine. Uh, Carlos Sainz, eighty-three. Red Bull now had an eighty-point lead over Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. And we headed on to the next race, which I have forgotten which it was. Canada. 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 In Canada Shire. Yeah, so again, this is actually a, a, not quite to the scale of Azerbaijan, but a similar kind of circuit, really, isn't it? It's a very compact version, I guess. Um, it's medium low speed corners and straights, really. That's kind of it. Um, there's no fast corners really would you say i wouldn't have thought uh not that you'd actually define as a corner if no, that makes cause, sense cause every corner is a either a hairpin or a chicane so yeah yeah exactly there's a few bendy well, straight unless you're a but... bike in which case you'd consider turn one to be the right hand kink within into the braking zone but uh i'd say that's not not part of the straight not not a corner so uh no it's not not a corner for the formula one cars it's like <clears> it's part of the straight, isn't it you can straight um, if you do a sort of arcing straight which they often do. And a lot of them, yeah, I say on their racing, the, a lot of them will do that, isn't it? Qualifying, they tend to just hug that right-hand side coming out of the uh, Wall of Champions and make the shortest line that they can. Um, but for the race, it is slightly quicker, I think, to arc a little bit rather than try and hug that right-hand side. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, through practice, this was all kind of Red Bull, really, wasn't it? Um, apart from practice three... <laughs> which was an interesting one um, where we had Fernando Alonso at the top of the time sheet, Pierre Gasly second and Sebastian Vettel third yeah so um, not, not, not really the uh, the A-listers on, on the grid these days but uh, no you wouldn't have wouldn't have put money on that necessarily going into qualifying no but luckily the race was well qualifying was a little bit different not really Verstappen got pole uh, Fernando Alonso got second somehow uh, in the Alpine, um, Carlos Sainz third, Hamilton then to the two Hasses, fifth and sixth on the grid. Yeah, that was a good result for Hass. Good result. Yeah. Now the, this is um, the one part of the season I think that Hass can be happy with. Uh, sort of the next few races coming up, but uh, you know they they had not had a great season. Um, not great, no. But qualifying for the Canadian Grand Prix, fifth and sixth, solid. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, then the race happened, and they both went out of the points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, On to the race itself. Uh, it was actually quite interesting, because we had a, a relatively late safety car, I believe. Yeah, there was a fairly late. Not quite as late as there was a few years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was quite a late safety car. We, I mean, Verstappen won it. But owned by less than a second, though. Yeah, that's because Carlos Sainz had Carlos soft Sainz. tires, I think, at the time. I think, yeah, I think he managed to pit, didn't he? Or he had fresher tires, or whatever it was. Um, Hamilton was third, George Russell fourth, Charles Leclerc in fifth. Now, was this, um, was this one of the races where Leclerc span? Yes, he did at the last corner, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, this was, of course, after Imola earlier in the year as well. But uh, the clerk, when I mean, he's 
This is his first year of challenging, so we've got to remember that. But maybe it's showing a bit of um, over-aggression. Yeah, perhaps. Maybe I think he's maybe trying to drive for the race win, not for a championship at the moment, which is not necessarily the way he needs to go about it. I mean, it, it's not. It's not the wrong way to go. No, it's not. Absolutely not. And you've got to take each race as it comes. But I think when you're racing against someone like Verstappen, you need to be consistent. Yeah, I mean, let's, because he will be. Let's be fair. If I mean, last year Verstappen, you could say was driving for the wins. Yeah, but again, then he was racing against a seven-time world champion who's got that experience and knows how to win a championship with the best one in the world. Hmm. Verstappen hadn't, really. I mean, even through the junior formula, he did. It was his junior formula career was so short, he didn't actually really win any championships. He did one year in in proper Formula 3 and then got moved to a Torosso. Yeah, this is it. So he went from the World Casting Championship, and the next championship he won was F1. Hmm. Um, and in karting, it is very, very different because it's heat racing, it's short races, it's not Grand Prix distance, obviously, but it's it's like 15-minute heats maximum. So it's a very, very different style of driving. And obviously, we know he's fast, Max. On one lap pace, clearly he is quick. Uh, and now he's sort of calmed down a little bit. When he first joined Formula 1, he was still fast, but he was very young and he was very hot-headed and you made silly mistakes on like lap 50 when he was just getting knackered from doing quali laps for the whole race. Mm. Um, but now he's kind of got this sort of championship mentality about him. He's matured a bit. It is a, um, an interesting difference, isn't it? Um, for Stafford this year versus last year. He's uh, yeah, a definitely. lot calmer. A hundred percent, yeah. You th- imagine, well, you've heard it a few times this year of him screaming down the radio. But generally, it doesn't happen as often now, I don't think, does it? Um, but equally, what I've noticed as well, the, I can't remember who it was. It may have even been Martin Brundle. He said that the real sign of a good championship mentality is when you can be so fast and really at the sharp end of a race and have your focus on something totally different. So, I mean, for example, when um, Max can be winning, leading, setting fastest laps and opening up a gap. And he's thinking about engine mileage and shall I turn the engine down a bit? Do I need to run away now? Can I slow down? Do I need to look after this? How long have I got? Well, have I got a free pit stop? I heard him say the other day when they thought there might be a safety car. Is that how, have we got a free pit stop? Is it worth taking that pit stop? He's actually putting strategy calls to the pit wall. Well, by that virtue, should we do this? By that virtue, Sebastian Vettel must be the greatest champion of all time because he's always thinking of what his uh, little winning song would be if it was Crazy Frog <laughs> or uh, something along something else. Well, I mean, there is arguments to say that Vettel is one of the best champions ever, so I would agree with that. Hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, Verstappen won again. Uh, <laughs> this was I forgot was there. A, this was just luck, good luck for Mercedes, wasn't it? There wasn't anything, any rule changes. This race. No, I think this is before the rule changes. I think it just, the car just worked here. Yeah. Whatever they had done with their setup just meant there wasn't as anywhere near as bad porpoising. I don't know if they were just running slightly better ride height or whatever it is. The, there's a few big curbs at Canada, but maybe they were taking that into account, trying to raise the car a little bit, but it just worked. Whatever it was, it was fairly quick. It did the job. Yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, you would have thought that would be their go-to for some of the races coming up, but clearly not. Yeah. Anyway, we then went over to Great British England land. Yes. Um, at Silverstone, funnily enough. They, 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 they just, yeah. Uh, sadly, Alton Park was a bit busy, so uh, we had to go there instead. Um, I actually went to this, didn't I? I went on the Friday. Oh, yes, of course you did. How, how was that? Then? It was really good. Really good. And the cars are incredible. Um, obviously, I watch quite a lot of racing, both on the TV and at circuits. Um, there is something about Formula One, though, isn't there? Like when you watch something like British touring cars go around a corner, like at Silverstone, I went to um, their round at Silverstone National last end of last season, um, and to see them go through a corner and have to brake and downshift a couple of gears and then power through, and for a Formula One car, the same corner's flat and they're doing twice the speed. <clears throat> you go, wow, that's that's impressive. Um, and yet Pirelli still gets slated for their tyres. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Um, the cars are incredible. They're amazing bits of machinery. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it was interesting. And you could see a little bit of porpoise. Or you could not really see it necessarily. You could hear it trackside. Um But not too bad, I didn't think. Maybe it was just the parts of the track that I was on. But they were, yeah, you couldn't really hear too much porpoising. Well, to be fair, Silverstone is quite flat. As a it is very flat, but it's also high speed generally. Yeah. Um, and we heard a little bit, and you could see occasionally. So I was watching um, from, uh, is it Stowe? I think it's Stowe, isn't it? At the end of the old pit straight. That's a corner, yes. Okay, well, there. I was watching from the corner at the end of the pit straight, which I'm pretty sure is Stowe. Hang on, which one? Um, the old pit straight or the new pit straight? No, the old pit straight. Ah, okay. Cops. Um, yeah, yeah, Cops, just before Magus and Beckett's. Yeah. Yeah, so Cops. Um, so I was watching Cops for a little bit in free practice two, um, and you could see some of the cars hitting the floor as they came through there. Um you could you could actually see that from the sparks from either the floor tray or the um, the board under under the car uh, the skid plates. Um, I think it was George Russell very very nearly binned it coming through there because he got a, I think the car squatted down just as he came through the corner and essentially lifted his wheels off the ground for a sec. He got a big swapper on, managed to catch it, but um, very impressive. Uh, but yeah, even even like on their warm up laps, these cars are quick. Like <laughs> they are mad. Um, when you saw, because obviously on the day that I was there, it was practice day and qualifying day for some of the junior formula that was below them. Um, so we had Formula Three and Formula Two out as well, and the W Series was there um, for that one as well. So we had yeah, by comparison. There was obviously a difference, but you don't realise necessarily how much of a difference there is between even Formula 2 and F1 through the corners, uh, let alone on the straights. It's amazing. And it, all of the all of the cars look fast. Even cars towards the back of the grid, you go, wow, that's impressive. Um, but when you there is a noticeable difference, though, between the Red Bull, for example, 
and uh, and the Haas well, or the Alfa Romeo I mean, or the Williams. Whenever Martin Brundle's on these the, the track walks during practice, he's often mentioning how. Um, but all cars will look quick, like like you say. But um, you know, it's just the drivability around it. You know how close to the edge can a car go without starting to break traction for a corner, for example. Exactly that. Yeah, I mean, in the first practice, it was um, it was pretty wet. To be fair, it rained for most of the practice one, so there wasn't a huge amount of laps done because I think they were expecting the rest of the weekend to be dry anyway, so they didn't really do any any wet running. Um, but even in the wet, once it actually stopped raining and they got onto the intermediate tire, even then you go. That's you could see, actually, if anything, it made it more obvious the difference between the big teams and the small teams, um, in how well the Ferrari and and the Alpha, well, not the, the Alpha Romeo necessarily, but he was quickest, Valtteri Bottas, the quickest in practice one. Um, but the Mercedes, the Ferrari, the Red Bull, you could see how much more sorted out they looked, yeah. But yeah, it's just very impressive the cars are incredible um i like watching the british grand prix generally i think silverstone is pretty good especially with these newer cars where they can follow closer i think it works well um yeah and obviously a good weekend for ferrari this one yes well sort of let's go <laughs> let's go into that so qualifying uh charlie sains was on pole which was i think his first one of the year maybe second Maybe second pole of the year. Uh, hang on. Do, 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 do. No, it was his first one. Oh, okay. Um, he was ahead of Max Verstappen, who uh, he seems to be doing quite well this season, so that's not a massive surprise. Uh, Charlie Leclerc, um, he was third. Sergio Perez, fourth. Then a gap to Hamilton, Norris, Alonso, George Russell, who did pretty bad job in qualifying for Mercedes. Yeah, not not great. Uh yeah, and there was just kind of the mid the midfield. And we and we didn't think much more of it until race day. So tell me what happened on lap one. Lap one, Guan Yu Zhou went for a little trip. Um probably one of the worst accidents we've seen in a little while actually really, isn't it? But he uh they made contact him and George Russell made contact before term one. So that caused um, Joe's car to spin and then roll. Yep. He then slid upside down to the point where it removed the roll hoop. It was that much of an impact. Uh, he slid upside down through the gravel, barrel rolled over the tyre barrier and hit the fence behind it. Um, now, I think, really, he was saved there by the halo. Okay. I think if the halo wasn't there, this would be a very, very different race. And I think we would be talking about the race where we lost Guan Yu Zhou. That's a... Luckily, it's a question we don't have to answer. Well, true. Very true. But I do think it's... With no roll structure on the top of the car, the car was essentially resting on the halo. And if the halo wasn't there, what would it be resting on? The crash helmet. So, well, I he, think, I yeah. Know, he, he is quite short. Well, I mean, yes, but he'd still be looking <laughs> out, of, out of the car, wouldn't he? If it was George Russell, his head would have come off. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's not to mention the fact that the way it, that it hits 
and landed um, after it hit the fence. So it didn't hit the fence driver's side up. It hit the fence with the floor, but the way it then fell essentially upside down. So um, he was stuck under the car. Uh, and again, the halo is just going to give him a bit more space as much as anything. Um, so, yeah, I think he was probably saved from a pretty serious injury, if if not his, or if not death, yeah. by the halo. Um, this at this point, George Russell's car was quite damaged, but he did do quite a gallant thing, getting out of the car and going over to the accident to see if he could help. Um, yes. I don't. We obviously again, we don't know whether he could have got the car back to the pit lane for the red flag that then ensued. Uh, but he got basically taken out from that. That's an argument. Yeah. So the, the rule. Yeah, the rule basically says once the driver's out of the car, he's out of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but George Russell maintains that he actually could have got back into that car and driven it back to the pit lane if he needed to. There wasn't that much damage on his. He could have repaired it under the red flag. And he could have carried on. Yeah. So, um, so but to, be, so to, go, kids, to his remember, credit... Don't be helpful. That's a, the, the life <laughs> lesson there. I was going to say, yeah. In his gallant act going to check on Guan Yu Zhou, he uh, inadvertently retired from the race as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think you can't, you shall, can't knock that, really. Shall we mention the other silver lining of this crash? Of what happened on lap one down the Wellington Strait? Well, yes, this is the other thing um, that how I don't really know how, and this is again is something that Silverstone will have to look into, I'd imagine, in Formula One generally. Um, but we have protesters on the track, idiots is what they're called, morons, um, who I suspect were going to try and glue themselves there, but didn't get a chance because of the the hardworking marshals who got rid of them uh, very quickly, to the point where actually a lot of people didn't notice they were even there. Until yeah. photos emerged online. Let's, uh, I mean, luckily the, at least the double yellows were out by that point, maybe a red. Um, but you still saw, I think it was Esteban Ocon or Pierre Gasly going past them at quite a significant speed. If that had been, again, lap one, after only one, two, three corners before you yeah. got to the Wellington Strait, um, it's, you're going at least under the bridge at 170 ish. Oh god, yeah, rough, yeah. It's got to be 150 plus, isn't it? Yeah, At so, least. so you often are too wide. The track isn't isn't infinitely big. We've seen crashes there before, haven't we? Kimi Raikkonen crashed there in 2017, I think. He's. Yeah. That was a pretty pretty major accident, wasn't it? With yeah, the um with the bridge. So, let's just think: how fucking stupid are these are these people to go onto a live racetrack? They didn't. They didn't know that the turn one crash happened. They didn't know that, no. that there was going to be a red flag. No, exactly, exactly that. Um, what I think is funnier. Can I be totally honest, Sean? Yep. We know how much a ticket to Formula One costs. Yes. They Too had much. to pay that to get in. They had to pay to get in. You don't get to that part of the track. In fact, that's the inside of the circuit there. So that's a premium ticket. Which really? makes it even more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, that's, that's another problem with Formula One entirely, Sam. But that's uh, a different, a different oh, argument yes. for a different day. But, uh, but they would have had to pay for if there was three or four of them. That would have been at least two thousand pound probably for, were, for those tickets. I, I think it, yeah, it was at least six. I think, but it was a lot. So yeah, they, they yeah. spent thousands to. For that to two seconds, that yeah. they did nothing. 
Um, so that was a really good investment. Good job. Well done. Don't even know what you came from. I don't even know what group you were representing. So good job. And hopefully now they're all in prison. I think they were arrested, which is the right place yep. for them to be. So they can rot away. Anyway, then the, yes. race, then, then the race started about an hour and a half later. Yes, because it was obviously extensive repairs that needed to be done to the barriers at turn one, um, understandably so, and they obviously needed to get Joe out of the car. Um, but uh, yeah, he was relatively uninjured. He went for checks, but he was fine. Um, none of the other drivers involved because um, Alex Albon, I think, had yeah. two or three impacts off the back of it as well, which yeah, is well, kind of... He had three quite small accidents, which resulted in more damage. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but he was fine as well he was absolutely fine um, so all the drivers were good that's the main thing really and we got going eventually um, I think it was a good so race I think it was quite a good race actually I was I was pleasantly surprised because sometimes Silverstone can be a little bit processional I think the new cars worked really well here because they can follow so much closer um, yeah I think it, it worked really well uh, the the thoughts that what I think at the start of the race were Carlos Sainz, Perez, Verstappen, and Leclerc all sort of like basically playing dodgems in the first few corners for the first couple of laps. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I think at least two of them got damaged at that point. I think Leclerc yeah. and Perez. Perez got a puncture. It was proper. Yeah, Perez had a puncture, didn't he? Um, that was was that well once we restarted. Yeah. That was I think lap one or two, wasn't it? It yeah. was very very early. Um. But, uh, yeah, it was proper elbows out fighting. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right, because uh, Leclerc bro- like, didn't break, but he damaged his front wing. But he was still faster in race pace than Carlos Sainz, which I remember. Then he, yeah. he, he, he caught up to Sainz, overtook him for the for the lead. And then did we have a safety car? For I think there was a safety Ocon? car, because it was... Yeah, um, I think it was. Was this... Um, oh, was this the race... Where Verstappen had a problem with the diffuser. That's right, yes, because Verstappen took the lead. Um, but then he slowed down, didn't he? Or was that yeah, Max? he just lost all of his pace. No, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Max. Uh, he basically, I think it was a piece of Alpha Tower. He got wedged right. in the floor of uh, Max's car. Which very much upset which the, hand, have... upset the, uh, the balance of the car and handling, that sort of thing. Which he thought it was a bigger problem, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, he thought it was a fairly major issue. Um, as it turns out, they were just obviously... They couldn't remove it during the race. They didn't know what the problem was there. But after the race, it became fairly evident it was a piece of Yuki Sonoda's car. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well done, Yuki. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think he... Yeah didn't have the pace he would have wanted put it that way and i think it was fairly evident that the car was not working as it should by some of the overtakes of drivers that you thought probably wouldn't be that far up necessarily people like the alpine of alonso arguably even yeah the norris norris's mclaren kind of just waltz straight past the world champion uh, and you thought yeah there's not something not quite right there um but no one could really put their finger on what, and neither could Max as well. And I think that's probably what annoyed him. Yeah, is the fact he, he couldn't say for certain it's understeering, it must be the front wing, or this has got a puncture, or the suspension damage, or whatever it was. Yeah, it just felt weird. Which, <laughs> Which shows, as a driver, it shows is how infuriating. Sensitive the cars are. It, didn't they? it shows how sensitive the cars are. It is, are. yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, um, but I mean, we I think we kind of knew that, didn't we? We we did think coming into the season that floor damage, while it was important before to try and look after the floor of the car, it was going to be crucial with these new cars, and we we're going to see drivers really avoiding curbs and stuff like that. Um, to try and make sure they didn't damage the floor because they they generate so much more downforce from it now. Yeah. Um. Somewhere like Silverstone, arguably, it could have been worse if it was a different circuit, like a more high downforce circuit. But mm-hmm. um, a relatively fast circuit like Silverstone, maybe it would have been less effect. But we'll, we'll never know that. But it was an interesting thing to see how much effect it has. Yeah. I thought. So as a, after this is when the Ferrari. Uh, overtake happened then Ocon had caused a safety car which uh, Leclerc decided not to pit which was questionable uh, and then yep. we had now I was not happy at this at the time um, Carlos Sainz being told to sort of back everyone up at the restart to give Leclerc a chance and he went no <laughs> and then like really <laughs> and really screwed over his teammate I think and I still don't think that when Ferrari drivers sign to race for the team rather than themselves I think this was a well, yeah. I think this was the wrong decision by him but although he did win the race so you sort of go ah but he won the race it's... well I mean equally yeah but this is different to it's not like Ferrari it was in open racing and Ferrari it... said let him go if this he was happened, trying. If this had happened during the Schumacher era or any of the, well, maybe not all new, the Schumacher era or the Alonso era, hmm. <laughs> signs would have been sacked. Yeah, probably, probably. But I mean, maybe if he had won and Charles had finished lo- uh, second by like a couple of tenths, then maybe. But even even then, I don't I don't think that mentality is quite as what's the word i don't really know how to define it really but he's maybe not Charles isn't as successful yet as alonso or schumacher and i don't think he demands that level of priority yet no but at the time i mean he arguably should have done he was like he was he's their main challenger well especially at that point he was 27 points ahead of signs yeah and yeah Sure, for Stappen by this point was nearly fifty points ahead of of Leclerc, and yeah. but uh, it's. I'm not saying it's right. I don't like team orders, as I've said before. But it's, um, if that is, but it's a team sport. It's well, it's that, but it's also if that's what how Ferrari choose to operate, and you choose to go against it. I don't think that I don't think two wrongs make a right. Really, no. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Anyway, um, anyway. I think Carlos probably had his first race win on his mind as much as anything right. and thought, I don't really want this super fast Red Bull to catch me. Well, oh, you say that. Perez wasn't that close. He was at the safety car, though, wasn't he? Mm. He had fresh tyres. Uh, well, uh, yeah, maybe. But either way. Mm. Yeah, but, either yeah. way. It doesn't matter. Perez came second, which was a very good recovery drive. Very lucky from the safety car. Um, him, Hamilton and Leclerc all had a big fight for a few laps, which was great fun to watch. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Verstappen and Schumacher was also very exciting. It, it actually was, wasn't it? Because, or, and you, you kind of knew at this point Max had a bit of a novel car, but it was still 
him and Mick really pushing and really having to fight for those positions. And it was close at the end as well. There's only two tenths between them Mick, at the line. Um, I think Mick should have got him because Verstappen was being a bit over-aggressive for my liking. But either way, Mick did score his first points of all Formula 1. Yay! He did. Uh, he did a really good job. Um, and yeah, I do think Max probably should have been leaving him a bit more racing room and having a little bit more respect for him, but he didn't. he didn't. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, um, so yeah, but Mick got his first points, and that's something to celebrate. So well done to him. Yes. Um, uh, and that's, yeah. that was it, really. Everyone left the track, apart from the well, especially the uh, idiots who went to prison, never to be seen yep. again, hopefully. And we went to Austria. Yes. Which was, it was alright. Yeah, I mean, it can be sometimes a bit of a, uh, again, a little bit of a procession because it's quite a fast but flowing circuit. There's no easy overtakes, really, aside from the DRS, is there? No. Um, there was a sprint race here, though. Oh, God, we have to talk about the base sprint races. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to if you really don't want to, but uh, I thought actually every, it was everyone, fairly good. Everyone wasted their time. Uh, Perez, in this instance, has got a get out of jail free card from a bad qualifying to go to fifth. Um, that's about it, really. And then the race happened. Uh, and, yes. and Charles Leclerc won, which I forgot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because um, he. He was having problems, wasn't he? He was having problems throughout with his throttle. Oh, that's right. Um, that's like he got stuck a half stuck open throttle, which I've never, yeah, so I've never heard. I've heard, of, I've heard of a stuck open throttle before, but not partly. I yes, this is something that I come across some in karting quite a bit. It's a sticky throttle, so not a fully stuck open one, but one that doesn't necessarily return to fully shut either. Um, so yeah, it's obviously I don't really know how the how it would work with Formula One because it's all drive by wire, isn't it? It's not a physical connection between the yeah. pedal and the throttle. Um, okay, so it must be a fault with that potentiometer, presumably. Mm -hmm. um, that meant it wasn't. It was the car was always pushing on a bit, which makes it must have been so difficult to drive. Well, you say because that, but it, I suppose because Leclerc's so young, he never drove the uh, the on throttle blown diffusers, so it probably would have felt like, like that. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, maybe actually that's a good point. Um, but but coming into corners in braking and things like that, that must have been tricky. Um, and there's some like quite abrupt braking points at Austria, and some of them are like downhill as well, which always makes it more complicated. Um, especially when the car is not doing exactly what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. So I think he drove very well to win that. Um, and Max was quicker, certainly towards the end of the race, Max was a lot quicker. Um, and I think if he'd had another couple of laps, Max 100% would have got him. Yeah. But he didn't. they didn't have a couple more laps. He did. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles won. Um, shall we talk about Carlos in this race? Yes. Um, someone stuck a grenade. Because he was arguably engine. quicker. Um, yeah. And he uh, was... it went bang. Big fire, wasn't yes. it? Proper fire. It um, so, but he managed to get it away from the circuit. But then, obviously, remember that these cars don't have a handbrake. So, because the Austria is so hilly, the car basically started rolling back while he was trying to get out of it. Yeah, while uh, fire, back... while Marshall's tried to put a chuck underneath the front wheel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I don't really know what would have happened if they hadn't managed to chuck that. 
to stop oh, it. But he'd, uh, he'd have probably been burned to death. Well, presumably, or he would have just had to jump out and yeah, leave well, it. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it depends which which version of Drive to Survive you want to watch. Sam, you know the uh, the, <laughs> the the real true life version or the uh, the is it Amazon? Netflix. Netflix. Oh uh, come on, Sean. Oh, I don't know. Have you not seen Drive to Survive? No. Oh mate. Why would I watch it? It is. It's an interesting thing. I is just it? yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's make a drama out of real life. Yeah, why not? Well, because it's stupid. Anyway, um, <laughs> what else happened in this race? Mercedes came third and fourth, miles and miles and miles behind. Uh, they were a long way behind. Well, they're nearly a lap, in fact, realistically, because the lap is so short. They weren't far off being lapped. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. Mick Schumacher got sixth place, which was good. That was a really, yes, that was a really more strong, points. That was a really strong drive, that one. Yeah, and Kevin Magnussen was in the points as well, so double points yeah, for half. The first time in ages. Yeah, really, really good job from them. Um, um, Alex Albon looks pretty good in the Williams as well, really. It, it, just, um, it just shows what you can do when you don't have to do two corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Foreshadowing um, again. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, Perez signs Vettel and Lissifi retire. Well, sorry, Vettel didn't retire. He was just slow. Uh, and then we went to where did we go next? We went to uh, the French ah, Grand Prix, yes. Paul Le, Ricard, Le France, uh, where yes. Leclerc should have won, but he crashed again. Yeah, um, that was soul destroying to hear his team radio. Then it, the the memes were great though. Well, yes. No. Um, <laughs> you could have been. You imagine if he was replaced with Cree was driving. No. <laughs> so, so that, that that will make its way onto uh, Drive to Survive. I guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That is prime. Amazon prime. Drive to Survive content. Yes. Oh, no. Netflix Prime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is perfect for them. They will absolutely love that. <laughs> uh, what is nearly his home Grand Prix as well, being from Monaco, and oh, so Paul Ricard is. So it's not his home Grand Prix at all then. No, but Paul Ricard's very near Monaco. Yeah, but it's not Monaco, though, is it? That's, uh, that's yeah, like, but Monaco's... That, that's like saying uh, the Scottish round at Knock Hill is basically the same as, as your home race because you're from where? Well, no, not really. Well, it's just as far away, <laughs> far away isn't it? No, it's not. Well... It's much closer than that. Oh, answers on a postcard, please, viewers. Uh, is... There's a cat outside. Sorry, I got distracted. Um... They, uh, if it is Knock Hill as much as a home race to us down here, then Monaco is to France. I know. Basically, I've driven from Paul Ricard to Monaco before, and it's not that far. Okay. <laughs> it would be like you going to Silverstone. Oh, that's ages. No, it's not that bad. Like okay, you drive to Knock Hill then. That's more ages. Exactly. So what we're, saying, what we're saying is that Knock Hill is definitely not my home race. Well, yeah. Uh, but it might whatever. be yours. But it's closer than that. <laughs> yeah, but your Brands Hatch is closer to you though, isn't it? Yep. Brands Hatch is closer. Froxton's closer. There you go. So uh, Silverstone Goodwood. will be your home race. Goodwood's closer. Yeah. So yeah. Oh well. Anyway. Um, back to Paul Ricard. Uh, rubbish track. I don't think, I think. Are they going to be not coming back or something in the next year or two? Yeah, I don't think there's a French Grand Prix next year, is there? Yeah. Um, no great loss. No. Not a fan of Paul Ricard. It's a bit 
boring. The track is um, fine. I just think it's the stupid runoffs which make it look awful and also it just takes the soul out of it. Yeah, I mean, they serve a purpose, don't they? Which I understand. Yes. As a test track, making, it make, makes a lot of sense. Making my mum's eyes. As a racetrack. <laughs> but as a racetrack, it is um, a bit dreary. I mean, there's better layouts they could use there as well, really. Well, get rid of the chicane, for starters. Yeah, exactly. The chicane on the back straight. Get rid of that. Make it one nice, long straight. Job done. But I actually think I'd prefer to see uh, the French Grand Prix go back to... um, Manicor? Yes, Manicor. Let's see. What other French tracks could there be? Le Mans Bugatti Circuit? That'd be rubbish. No, no. Don't do that. That would ruin it. It's Formula One. It shouldn't be at Le Mans. Yeah, but MotoGP used the Bugatti Circuit, and it's terrible. Yeah, but most of GP isn't on a car, though. <laughs> no, no. Well, apart from the safety car. But that doesn't really come <laughs> well, out. Yeah. Um, no. Anyway, what other stories were there from France? Uh, Mercedes 2-3. Ferrari were pretty yep. rubbish. Hamilton's uh, still not won a race at this point. Good. Um, that's about it, really. Oh, Pierre Gasly had a rubbish home race. Yes, not a good one for him. Even though he thought he could like challenge for the podiums. He was, yeah, well, he looked pretty quick through sort of practice and stuff. The car looked all right. Um, I mean, he was, where was he? Fifth in practice one. Um, seventh in practice two, so perhaps maybe not at that point. Um, and then, yeah, practice three slipped down even further. Um, so basically, his weekend started well and got worse. Yes. Good job, yeah, Gasly. <laughs> uh, by this point, Max Verstappen now led by on 233 points from Charles Leclerc on 170, Sergio Perez 163, Carlos Sainz Jr. 144, Georgie Russell 143. Uh, Red Bull were now 82 points ahead of Ferrari, who in turn are 44 ahead of Mercedes. Then Alpine at their home race overtook McLaren for fourth. So good for yeah. them. Then we go to the Hungarian Grand Prix at the Hungaroring in Hungary. Yes. This was a, um, a shocker, wasn't it? The uh, qualifying day? Well, yeah. It was a little bit. Um, for whatever reason, the Mercedes again, um, I, and I can't remember if it was uh, George Russell or Lewis Hamilton that said this, but the, what they've said is the car is not bad. But at some tracks we go to, it's terrible. Other uh, tracks, it works really well. I doubt it. So because he's just said it's bad all year. Undrivable, well, undrivable. <laughs> maybe it was George Russell then, but it <laughs> seemed to work quite well for them. Um, they do say this track is a bit like a mini Monaco. Well, not a mini Monaco, a bigger Monaco. I've never really um, understood that concept. No, neither have I. No, I haven't either. But um, but I guess it kind of is. It's quite a high downforce circuit generally, isn't it? And it's lots of corners in quick succession. Um, Not really. But faster than... Yeah, it is. The back half of the track is a bit, but then so is um, the mid part of Azerbaijan. No one says that's a, a mini Monaco or a big Monaco. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Anyway, George um, uh, Russell anyway. got, got pole somehow, which was a shock. Yeah, um, but I just over... Half a tenth to Carlos Sainz and then Charles Leclerc. Lando Norris in fourth. Where were... Oh, yeah, Red Bull absolutely bombed it in quality, didn't they? Yes. So Max Verstappen 10th, Sergio Perez 11th. Um, yeah, not good for them. No, but luckily on race day, things change. 
<laughs> I say, yeah. Luckily for them, they managed to sort themselves out overnight. And uh, yeah, Max Verstappen won, funnily enough, even though he did a full 360. Did brilliant. you see that? That was so funny. It was almost, um, I saw a meme that uh, basically, well, it was that, but also um, it was just after the F- F- Ferrari had, for some unknown reason, put the hard tyre on Charles Leclerc. Oh, um, let's talk about that. That was fucking stupid. Absolutely no reason to do that whatsoever. Hadn't run the hard at all through the week, uh, through any of the practice sessions, and went, yeah, let's do that. Why not? We'll go for a long stint. And then it was crap. Hadn't someone like Ricardo or someone not very far back, sorry, quite far back, put on the hard tyre and then just done nothing with it? And they thought, oh, that's a good idea. We'll do that. Exactly that, yeah. I think it might have been Ricardo who tried it, thinking if I can get through on one stop, maybe that will be better. But the car, the tire was so so bad mm. that there was no point, and they changed back to a two stop anyway. Um, and it was at that point Ferrari thought, yes, that's the strategy for us. <laughs> um, so they did that for some reason. Uh, and yeah, the meme that I saw was um, basically, yeah. Max reacting to Charles Leclerc on the hard tyre by doing a full 360 to check that he was yeah. being told the right information. Turn, turn around and go, what? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and it was well survived, actually. It was well caught on Max's part. Um, I think it was a little bit of, a tiny, tiny bit of rain, wasn't it, that that, that caused that? Not enough to go on to intermediate tyre. No, no, no. But it was... No, a... he, as you say, Sam, he just wanted to double-check the tyres. Oh, OK, was... fine. It, that was maybe, it, yeah. maybe he enjoyed overtaking him once. He thought, I'll do that again. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Um, and he probably did because he won the race. Lewis Hamilton was second, George Russell third. So two Mercedes on the podium Yes. Um, for this one. Yeah, two races in a row. Um, Mercedes, though, were quite disappointed, though, because they wanted to win, but they didn't. Yes, well, they thought coming into it that their car was really, really good, and they were going to win this race quite e- not easily necessarily, but like they were just gonna they were going to win the race. It was going to be all good, um, and yeah, Max was just a lot faster. Now let's remember, Max started tenth on the grid, and even after starting tenth on the grid and fighting his way through the field, and he didn't get to the lead until quite late on. Uh, only no. seven cars finished on the lead lap. Yeah, so it was a high pace race with the best will in the world. Uh, and yeah, once Max got to the front, it was fairly easy work for him to pass Hamilton and just drive off into the distance. Yep. So uh, that was all good. Then we went to the Grand Prix of Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Um, now this was on the newly modelled uh, Spa circuit. So they've changed a few bits, haven't they? It's not that different though. The no, not really. The, the layout is the same. They've adjusted the profile of some of the corners. It's mostly runoff area that they've changed. Which is good. Um, which is good because it makes Eau Rouge and Radion specifically much, much safer. Um, which means we can keep racing there, which is always good because everyone likes Spa, let's face it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was an interesting one, wasn't it? There was forecast to be a lot of rain over the weekend, and I don't think we really had any. I don't remember there being any. What's it might quali- have been a little bit qualify practice. and start wet or something? Or practice? I might have done. Maybe. Well, the times, maybe it was a bit damp or something. I'm not sure. Times are a little bit slow in, quali- in qu- the first qualifying session, but then maybe you would expect it to be a bit slower in the first quality session. Um, don't know. But either way, there wasn't any rain. 
uh, Verstappen. Yeah. The half Belgian Verstappen uh, was faster than everyone else. Got pole by six tenths of a second. Absolutely but, nailed it. But there was a twist. He got a grid position, a grid penalty. Yeah, there was quite a few grid penalties at this race, wasn't there? Yes. Um, so eventually, Carlos Sainz finished. Uh, well, started the race on pole, um, despite only qualifying. Uh, he was second in that one, wasn't he? It was later on, wasn't it? Italy. We'll come on to that in a minute with the ridiculous grid that took like four hours to figure out who was actually <laughs> starting where. Um, but yeah, Carlos Stein started on pole for the Belgian Grand Prix. Sergio Perez behind him. Uh, then Fernando Alonso in third in the Alpine. The funny bit is when you get down um, to the bottom and you have uh, Kevin Magnussen qualified 18th, starts 12th. Uh, Mick Schumacher yeah. qualified 16th. Sorry, uh, Sebastian Vettel started 10th after qualifying 16th. It's just like, that's yeah. just silly. Madness, really, now, isn't now, it? Now, let's talk about this, because I 100% wholeheartedly agree with the grid penalty for extra parts rule, because back in the day, when you had enough allocation to feasibly get through a season, which we don't now, it made it interesting. It did, yeah. Um, now, and I think... It's just too, it's too tight. Yes, I would agree. They need... Maybe just one, maybe two more. Or, Not or, loads. Or just have fewer races. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or, or do that. Um, but I mean, yeah, we're not saying that they should have a new engine for every single session. But I think at the point where the entire grid needs to take grid penalties at some point in the season, you're overcomplicating things for the general Is it, fans, is it three engines? now i think it's yeah three of each component in the power unit which is stupid <laughs> and i think it's like two gearboxes as well it's like not anything like it's virtually no components they yeah. have to make them last forever considering the amount of races that they have now as well it's, i mean back when i used to start watching in 2006 it was still like seven engines a season which was i think it, no it wasn't even that it was one every you were allowed one every three races or something. Um which So that wouldn't be a bad way of doing it if you said you you essentially need to make the engines last four races. That would probably be five five maybe well be more than that I guess, wouldn't it? Um probably six engines per year. It depends, you know, if, if uh Dominicali gets his way it'll be like twelve engines a year. Well if you, if, yeah. you, if you have that rule. Well, that's true. How many races um, does NASCAR do in a year? Oh, they do a lot. They race basically every week. At least once. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but no, they, yeah, NASCAR, I think their season is much, much longer, but their races are different as well with the best one in the world. Yeah, that's true. And the engines are a lot simpler. Um, and I don't think they have a rule. It's a bit stupid, isn't it? The cost-saving uh, argument that F1 do for having a limited number of engines, but then consider how much is spent on each engine now compared to, say, for example, 10, 15 years ago. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, and, I mean, the engines, at this point, the engines are fairly well-developed as well. I know they're expensive as a unit, but they're not developing them race on race, are they? Like they might have done 10 years ago, where they would have be they're changing not, parts. And, yeah, I suppose they can't, can they, really? This is it. Um because the engine freeze and things like that. Um, but this is maybe a, a discussion for another day, Sean. Yes. Well, don't you worry. There will be. 
so Spa Grand Prix, the half Belgian Max Verstappen started 14th, won the race by tw- nearly 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Just discuss. He was absolutely on fire, wasn't he? That Red Bull was so fast. He, I think he was like fifth, no, was it fifth or seventh after lap two or something? It was... Yeah, it just easy. He made it look easy. It's, yeah. This was weird because it's like Red Bull unlocked something from this race onwards, maybe the last race onwards. Um, it's, they're just, they've had, since for here, what was the race after? Was it Italy after this one? No. It was, yeah. No, it's, it's, no it was it's, Holland after this, wasn't it? And then Italy. Yeah. Historically, it should be Italy after Spa, but it's not. Um, mm. But yeah, so it's from here, they've just sort of like kicked in and just gone, right, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what at what point was it that they changed their front suspension? I didn't know they had changed the front suspension. Ah, so okay, so the new Red Bull front suspension is quite interesting. So this is one of the things that people think is why the car is so good now and doesn't porpoise as much. Um, so the front suspension is um, still pull rod. Push. push. I think it's still push rod. I'll tell you what. Um, Wikipedia will tell me. It will. Uh, uh, but what they have done is essentially almost join the upper wishbones together. Okay. Which makes the whole car stiffer at the front, which means that it's more compliant. Essentially, uh, it does what it wants the them, what, what they want it to do. The front suspension is pull rod, the wrist suspension is push rod. Okay, so it's still pull rod, but they've changed the wishbone design to, to the point where it's now almost one piece. Um, so it's just infinitely stiffer and just works a lot better. It manages the tyres better. It gives them better front grip. Um, and it doesn't necessarily reduce porpoising because that would kind of be more the rear suspension's job. Um, but, it, yeah, it's just much, much better at generating that steady baseline for the aero to do its job which is why when we will come on to monza in a bit when you look at the the uh, level of aerodynamics and the, the wing angles that they were using at monza because the car's so quick on the straights because of the um the, the engine as much as anything they can just afford now to carry so much more downforce because they can really make use of the whole car as a package because they've got this Clever suspension. Would you like to know a quite sad stat, Sam? Go on then. This year, with Red Bulls winning, they have become the fifth uh, most successful team in F1 by terms of number of victories as a team, overtaking Lotus. Oh, that is sad. I didn't like them. I I can appreciate the fact that they're in fifth. That that doesn't necessarily surprise me. The fact they've overtaken Lotus that does surprise me a bit, actually. It just shows how awful Formula One is now. You know, it's it's all one sided <laughs> and processional. You just qualify and pole, and off you go. <laughs> There's no yeah. comp- no competition. Oh, exactly. Bring back unreliability <laughs> is what I say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's. So in the by the end of this decade, quite easily, they could overtake Williams and maybe Mercedes. It would be That's quite impressive. It'd be quite far fetched for them to beat Mercedes, but uh, it's possible. Well, yeah, exactly. Wouldn't be impossible, would it? But it would be difficult. 
Um, 87 wins for Red Bull, 114 for Williams, and 124 for Mercedes. But then, of course, Mercedes are still quite good. So, yes, absolutely. That's why it would be a stretch. But they could feasibly be third ever by the end of the decade. That's impressive. That would be impressive. If they can maintain this level... And I mean, it certainly seems as though that's going to be feasible. The other teams, aside from well, if Ferrari can sort out their shit, basically they'll be fine. <laughs> but but that's uh, maybe a bigger issue. Um, but you've got to say, in terms of the whole package of team drivers and car, Red Bull are just a different level at the moment, aren't they? It's it's stupid. Anyway, uh, after Bel- it's a rebel one-two, by the way, in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Sainz for George Russell fourth, Alonso Leclerc. What happened to Leclerc? I can't remember. Oh, he got he got, um, yeah, he got stuck in traffic, didn't he? Yeah, that was it. Um, and then he had the stupid pit stop at the end. Yeah, it was the slow stop, I think, wasn't it? Where no, it's where he, he sped, sped in the pit lane, didn't he? Coming in. Right at the end. Oh, did he? Right at the end. That's why I don't remember that. That's why he ends up behind Alonso, is because he got a five-second penalty. Ah, uh, right. Um, I don't remember. Okay, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, by this point, well, let's just say that Verstappen and Red Bull are cruising, and everyone's given up by this point. But it gets, it even, it gets worse, because then we go to Zandvoort. Yeah, which obviously is Max Verstappen's actual home Grand Prix. Well, it's um, as much of a home race because he's born in Belgium but he's classified as Dutch. Yes. Um, and his dad is Dutch. I don't know about, don't know about his mum. Presumably she's but, Dutch. Uh, presumably. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was going to be quick here, wasn't he? Let's face it. He was you'll, always going to be fast. You'll be happy to hear, Sam. Uh, Verstappen winning this year's Dutch Grand Prix makes him equal third most successful winner of the Dutch Grand Prix. Really? And next year, he'll go equal second with Jackie Stewart and Nicky Lauda. And if he wins for the next two years, he'll equal Jim Clark. Ooh. Mm. Shows you how long ago there was, uh, the, what the, the gap was for the, between there being a Dutch Grand Prix and they're not, and then they're, they're coming back. Fortunately, um, fortunately, though, Red Bull are still four races behind Lotus at the Dutch Grand Prix for number of wins. So... There you go then, that's all right then. Yes. That's fine. They've got a way to go yet for that one. Also, Um, looking at the track, it's not that different, actually. No, actually, it isn't too much different, is it? The main difference are some of like the the final corner and um, turn turn three, the banked ones. Um, The rest of the circuit is not dissimilar. It's similar to like when we look at the old Austria race, which just sort of like expands off into the countryside a bit. Yes, that was cool. I liked that one. I think it's um, anyway. Well, I like the old the old layout of Zandvoort generally. I think it's a cool track generally. It's quite cool. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's like the sand dunes and it's interesting, isn't it? It's up and down a bit. It's undulation, altitude change. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a good circuit. I like it. Um, but it is in places for modern Formula One very narrow. Uh, yes, well, as I said before they actually raced there, um, if the proper Formula 3 car struggled to overtake, then what chance do F1 have? It's not been as bad as I feared, but it's not amazing. It's a good atmosphere. No, I mean, should we talk it's about, a good atmosphere, yeah. Speaking of atmosphere, should we talk about more idiots at F1 venues? 
yes, we can do. Um, on the back of the Austrian Grand Prix, there was worry, wasn't there, about the uh, the the. Uh, well, there's no real way of hiding it, really. Is uh, the Dutch fans <laughs> generally the the Verstappen fans with their orange flares and their drinking from three in the morning. Um, <laughs> so there was various rules in place to try and curb that at the Dutch Grand Prix, um, such as no flares allowed. You have to give up your flares when you come in because they appreciate that everyone's just going to bring them anyway. So just give them in when you, you get go through your ticket check. Now, uh, and they limited them to how much beer they could bring in as well. Now let's uh, Sam did was uh, was this successful this um this this measure Um no <laughs> What happened Sam Uh we had a red flag in qualifying didn't we for yes. a red a flare on the track Two I believe um, yes it was Yes there's a thing the second now, one I think they managed to get around but yeah first one caused a red flag What is the point like you're there to watch the racing it, I really don't I've, understand. I've not see, as much as we've seen lots and lots of flares at the tracks in recent couple of years. I've not seen any thrown onto the track until this time round, which is just stupid. It is. It is just ridiculous. Like at that point, you're not only ruining the spectacle for the rest of the fans that are around you. You're also potentially causing a crash. Like with the best will in the world, that's a quite a large piece of plastic or metal or whatever it is. If the car hits, it's going to do some damage, which is likely to cause a crash. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, you're going to break a car, which dr- the teams are on a strict cross cap. If that hit Williams and broke their front wing, that's a fairly major impact for something that is stupid, like yeah. absolutely ridiculous. What I will say um, is uh, I don't think that flares necessarily are a problem. It's just those idiots that do it. Now, the what upsets me, though, is when you have people like David Croft, who in previous years of the Dutch Grand Prix and the Austrian Grand Prix go, oh, look at this amazing atmosphere with the flares and all that sort of thing, you know, praising them. And then the minute it's not, you know, to his uh, liking, acting like he's the big I am, and go, oh, well, yeah. I, I, I really don't like these flares. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, <laughs> you've been bigging them up for the last two years and saying how how how, how spectacular. <laughs> you can't have both ways, you bellend. But uh, no, I I I don't disagree with you there. I think if you you got to stick to your guns with stuff like that. Also, yeah, with the I, best, that's what I do. On, all the time. Wait, I know, I've noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that there was a turning point this year at Austria, wasn't there? Um, with the the orange fog on lap one, where drivers were struggling to see. I think that's there needs to be some control. With regards to that, I think that was too much. Yeah. Now, we didn't, I didn't, there was the occasional flare during the race, but for the most part, once the race actually started, to be fair to them, the Dutch did not, didn't, there was no flares really. They were all on the in lap. Yeah. And I don't mind that. That's fine because it's atmosphere, it builds it up. And if, as much as anything, if you're there to support Max or whoever, whoever you're supporting, with a coloured flare, if it's a red one for for if if you're a Ferrari fan or whatever, we've seen that at Monza before. It's not uncommon. Um, 
it's a good way of the drivers seeing it because with the best one in the world, they're, they are going to see that. Yeah. Um, a banner, they're not really going to see necessarily. Like you can wave a flag from the grandstand. They're unlikely to see it. They are going to see smoke. So they're going to know it will help them feel supported and boosted, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, um, just think how much faster Landon Norris has been in the last few years with uh, all the orange uh, shirts <laughs> and uh, flares going off. Yeah, he did say that. I think it was last year, wasn't it? When the first time we went back to the Dutch Grand Prix. Yes. He said, yeah, there's so much support for McLaren here. Look at all this orange. Yes, and, uh, um, and that's another thing. Like... <laughs> Sky Sports F1 of them refused to let go of, and it's now become yeah, boring. And... <laughs> it's now yes, boring. It's, it's, now, it's it, now not a It was funny joke. the first time. Yes. Yeah, it was funny the first time. It's not so funny now. Um, <laughs> I do think it's, What I do think is funny, though, is that when you go to races like that, where it happens at Monza as well, you see it at Monza, and we had it at Imola a couple of times as well, where the crowd is predominantly supporting one driver or one team specifically. Like yeah, if it's Tafosi, they're all in red. Yeah, yeah, obviously at the French Grand Prix, yeah. No, no. Um, they're all in their Alpha Tauri shirts. No, no, no. In Imola, it's Minardi's home race. Oh, well, yeah, true. But there was a lot of Tifosi there as well, wasn't there? Let's face it. Yes. Um, I, I think it's funny when the TV cameras managed to find the one fan in the grandstand in a Mercedes shirt <laughs> or or, uh, or something like that um, who is surrounded by other other fans. You don't get that in things like football, for example. Um, with the best one in the world, that man would be beaten to a bloody pulp if he was in a football stadium wearing the wrong shirt. Uh, you don't really get that in Formula One, so that's fine. But I always think it's funny when he's sat there cheering the one driver come past and then the entire grandstand stands up for the driver behind him. Um, but uh, but no, I think it's, yeah. There's a time, back to the flares, there's a time and a place for those flares. And during the race is probably not that time. No. The occasional one or two is probably not a problem. But when, and I think part of the problem with Austria was perfectly fine, absolutely fine. Yeah, go for it. Like it adds to the atmosphere. It's cool. It's it's fine on the in lap. Yeah, fine, cool. Throwing them on the circuit is obviously unacceptable. I don't know why anyone thought that. In the anyone thought that was a good idea that's a really really stupid thing to do um throwing anything on a racetrack is a terrible idea um but yeah during the race it could be a safety thing you've got to not do that after the race cool go for it yeah basically that's the way that's what i think anyway let's talk about the race quickly so verstappen did win it but again that's not the whole story he almost lost it debatably he did almost lose it it was a very i thought it was quite a good race actually um, and there was a few, yeah. So there was some good overtaking. They changed the DRS zone for this year, didn't they? So uh, the yes. DRS actually started before the last corner, which is now like easy flat banked corner. Yep. Um, which I think opened up some overtaking opportunities. That was quite good. Um, Hamilton nearly won this, but, but didn't. But he didn't, <laughs> which was very funny. Sorry, not funny. Also yeah. Bad. Hilarious. Unfortunate, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, George Russell used his brain and pitted for some fresh tyres and Hamilton didn't. Yeah. Um, it's all weirdly similar to Abu Dhabi last year, isn't it? Well, it's also similar um, to Leclerc like Silverstone. Well, yeah, true. Um, but also with the best... It, the difference there between... A, a lot of people said this just like Abu Dhabi. It's not that much like Abu Dhabi because Hamilton wasn't leading when the safety car came out. Mm-hmm. 
So he took the lead because everybody pitted. Verstappen had such a big lead that he managed to do another lap before he caught the safety car up and then thought, yeah, I've got a free pit stop. Let's do that. Um, so again, this is kind of, that's kind of the championship mentality. If he asked the team, have I got a free stop? This, I think, was the race. Have I got a free stop? They said yes. So he pitted. Um, there was no everybody way. else was kind of reactionary, wasn't it? Yeah, there was no way, even if he'd started fourth, probably, at the restart, the Verstappen wasn't going to win that race. Just with, no, just with I the think top, he had top speed of that car, fresh tyres, and also just him at that race. He's, yeah, his home race, he's it, going to be going for it, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and I think, well, Hamilton, I think, realised fairly quickly that uh, he was on the wrong tyre, basically, with the best one in the world. Max timed the overtake to perfection <laughs> as well. Great. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, coming off of the safety car, they can't overtake before the safety car line. Uh, and he overtook as they went over the safety car line. It was perfectly timed. Yeah, and um, just remember that Hamilton's not allowed to brake um, erratically. So he couldn't have like lifted off or something like that to force for stepping across the line first. Because that would have caused yeah, a massive once, accident. Absolutely. And what, so once Hamilton has gone, he's got to go. And yeah, Max is just like, yep, I'm just going to drive past you. That's cool. No worries. <laughs> Easy. And then just disappeared. Yeah, see you later. Uh, and then, <laughs> then George Russell did the same, which I think really wound up Lewis Hamilton because it was his teammate for one and he'd also pitted and got soft tyres. Um, and then Charles Leclerc did the same. So, yeah, Hamilton finished fourth. Good, um, good job. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was Max, then George, then Charles, then Lewis Hamilton um, fourth. Jay Perez was fifth. Now, technically, I think this is where we should be ending the, the pod but because the Italian Grand Prix happened, we're going to do it anyway. Um, yeah. What to say? Ferrari had no chance. There's no. no yeah. as, as much as they got pole position and they led away, uh, Verstappen was too fast again. Yeah, Max was just really, really fast, wasn't he? There was no chance, not a chance in hope uh, in hell that he was actually going to uh, do anything there. Um, I mean, having said that, in qualifying, well, in practice, sorry. Um, Ferrari looked pretty strong. But they've, they've done something where their tyres just get eaten up, whereas Red Bulls don't. Maybe it's due to that suspension thing you mentioned. Could be. There's, yeah, could be. The, the F175, as good looking as it is, isn't as good as the Red Bull RB18? Yes, the RB18. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, everyone... Would, would like to see Ferrari do well at Monza. I think, obviously, the Italians would very much like to see that. And through practice, they did do very well in qualifying. Um, I've never heard a shout, a, like a, a cheer so big as when Charles Leclerc went on pole. Mm. Um, but, it, like we were saying, I think it comes down to one lap pace. The Ferrari is probably a bit stronger. Yep. Over a race, the Red Bull is just way, league. way better. It's a different league. It's yeah, it's such a good car. Um, there's no, there's, there's nothing that could have been done. Maybe if Ferrari hadn't put Leclerc on that stop and they'd actually fought for it, maybe there would have been some DRS drag. Um, but I don't think 
I don't think they had the weapons for it. No, but I don't so, think you're so right. Let's, so let's not talk about them. Let's talk about what happened behind them. Uh, Nick DeFries, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant yeah. debut. Absolutely superb for Nick DeVries. Now, Nick jumped in the car because Alex Albon had appendicitis. Yep. Um, which was, and it was so last minute that on Friday in FP1, now, and this is a little record actually for Nick DeVries. Um, Nick DeVries, I think, could well be the first person to do it in kind of the modern era, certainly, uh, where on Friday he drove for Aston Martin in FP1. Uh, <laughs> then in qualifying, he was in the Williams. Um, I would say he didn't do as well in the Aston as he did in the Williams. Yeah, no, he did. Um, he did. He lucked in the right way round for once. He really did. Um, but yes, so. He did well. He did really well. But there was a lot of grid penalties here, wasn't there? There was. But let's just say he must have felt quite uncomfortable not crashing into people, being a Formula E, Formula e driver in, in a different series. <laughs> well, I did think this, and, I, and it kind of um, it bore true a little bit, didn't it? The difference now between modern Formula One, or even really kind of Formula 2 and, and onwards, and Formula E, where it's very much sort of sprint racing. Um, the, the fact that when he, he actually had to get help to get out of the car, he was that tired at the end of the Grand Prix that he couldn't even lift himself out of the car. Um, I think that says a lot. But he does do LMP2, so I was a little bit surprised at that. Um, but I guess it's much faster, and generally it's, it's obviously a different kettle of fish, really. He's an endurance driver and and Formula E as well, but um, yeah. I don't know. If you were the Williams bosses, would you be hiring Nick DeFries tomorrow? I'd certainly be looking for a replacement for Latifi with when? the best one in the world, and I think Nick DeVries is your best option at this point. But when is the question? Would you have him in for well, Singapore, or would you try and get him for twenty three? Ah, oh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it comes down to contracts as much as anything. It depends. Latifi obviously brings quite a lot of money in as well. Um, although Williams has said in previous years they're not interested in money-only drivers. Um, and yet they still have Latifi. But well, this is the thing, isn't it? I think it's got to be the last nail in the coffin for him. The fact that a rookie on debut not only out-qualified him but outscored him and is now ahead of him in the championship. Yeah, in one race. From one race, when it, this is what, round, I don't know, round 15, 16? Yeah. But that's, this, um, this is the, but the worst bit, I think, is that he's scored half the points that Alex Albon has all year as well. Well, yeah, from one race. Um, and I don't know, I think it's, you've got to think about if the team is looking to push forward and do well, like you've you've got to be hoping. I I can get Nick in. I would have thought. I compare it a bit to Haas last year to this year. Sure, Haas is a different story because they had a twelve-year-old car. Um, <laughs> but um, they get rid of Marzipan, put in Magnussen. It pushes Schumacher up to do better. It makes the team do better. They've scored, I don't even know, lots more points than the last... Well, infinitely more points than oh, last 100%. year. But um, yeah. 
this must be top three seasons, probably. Is yeah, it? I would think so. Probably so far. It is. Like, it is. It's their third best season already. Yeah, already, and we're not even finished yet. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? And I mean, we will see. There's a very good question with this, isn't there? Of who should be in the car. Equally, there's another, and this is a, probably a conversation for another day about the super license and the points associated with each series. Oh, don't and... you worry. I've got a full bloody discussion point for that whenever, <laughs> whenever we do that. Um, yes. So um, let's see. At the, t- at the t- two thirds and a bit point of the season, Sam, it's over, isn't it? At the top, it's over. I think so. Unfortunately, I think it's all Red Bull, really, now. Um, Verstappen leads by 116 points from Leclerc. Uh, It's really just him and and, uh, Sergio Perez. Maybe George Russell for second. I don't see George doing it either, though. I mean, he's mathematically in with a shot, I guess, but I don't think the car's good enough. Um, I think it's Charles Leclerc's to lose, probably. I mean, with the Ferrari, the, the Ferrari uh, reliability and blunders, it's it, it, it's likely he'll lose. Uh, that's well, right. This is it. This is the problem, isn't it? Um, um, in the constructors, Red Bull are one hundred and forty-nine points. No, thirty-nine points ahead yeah. of ahead of Ferrari. I, mean, I think that says it all, really, doesn't it? Mercedes have been sort of thirty points ish behind Ferrari all year mm. uh, behind them it's a bit more interesting Alpine slash Renault are uh, 18 points ahead of McLaren but McLaren have sort of not really impressed in the second half of the year no it's been a bit disappointing really uh, Alfa Romeo pretty safe in 6th Haas against uh, Alfa Tauri is close-ish. I suppose Aston Martin are also be, sort of there. That's going to come down to like a, a good race here or there, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah, then Williams um, are miles off, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what do you look forward to the last third of the season, Sam? Uh, I'm quite looking forward to the Japanese Grand Prix. Why? We haven't been there for a few years and I like the circuit. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Essentially, um, yeah, I think it, it's when you look at the tracks that are coming up. There's none where you go. Red Bull will struggle there. No, Singapore they'll That's win easily. Nothing. Japan they'll yeah. probably win easily. Kota have they won the last couple Ooh. of years or was that Mercedes? No, I think it was mostly Mercedes at Kota, isn't it? But. Um, I mean, I think mathematically, I think I heard the other day, Max could actually win the championship at Singapore. Uh, yes, if Leclerc gets his no points or something, yeah, that's possible. Yeah. So it's not necessarily likely, but it's possible. And that says a lot, I think. The fact that we have six races to go and he could finish it next weekend. I don't remember ever seeing a championship won this early. Because you, no. you hear about it in the Schumacher days, 2004, but I I don't remember a season this one-sided. 
No, I don't. Not for a, in the like... dri- in the driver standings, not necessarily on a team standpoint, because obviously, yeah. obviously Mercedes have been way further ahead than Red Bull are right now of whoever's behind them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've won it really, really early before, haven't they? But, um, but yeah, I think certainly with one driver, often it's the driver and his teammate yeah. who are challenging at the top, aren't it? So it might be that a driver beats their teammate for whatever reason very early on. But you don't often get two drivers, two or three drivers in different teams who are like well, finishing it off this early. Well, I'll put it this way, Sam. You know, Verstappen could retire the next four races and we're right back in it. Well, that doesn't seem un- also, very likely. Also, if, if that did happen, then um, he'd still be leading the championship. Mm, true. <laughs> um, Which says all you need to know. Right. Yeah, he could actually score no points for the next four races and still be in the lead. Just, but he would be. Um, well, probably not, because the clerk, Perez, Russell, Sainz and Hamilton will all take points off each, off each other, which means he could probably do the next five races with no, with no points. So one, two, three, four. He could literally come into the last race having scored no points from the last five, possibly still in the lead of it. Well, I mean, think of it this way. The worst result Max Verstappen has had this year, aside from from Bahrain, where he technically didn't finish, but was classified 18th, is second. I forgot what happened. It says he retired in Australia, but I don't remember it. Um, I don't know. I don't think he did, did he? I thought that was Perez. I don't know. It says retired on uh, Wikipedia. Hmm. Yeah, so it does. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he did well there. I can't remember. Uh, fuel leak apparently on that 38. Oh yeah, because wasn't that the problem they had in Bahrain as well, where there was a fuel issue and they just didn't even didn't have enough or whatever it was, it just ran out. Let's put it this way: it's not made a big difference. <laughs> no, it clearly hasn't phased him. Um, but yeah, seventh actually was his worst result, which was in at Silverstone. Um, apart from those two races where he hasn't finished. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, and he finished third in Monaco, but really, yes, every race he's finished, apart from Silverstone, he's been on the podium. It's a of don't see him if... having the next four races. It is going to happen. Yeah. He will be a two-time champion. Um, it's just really a case of whether it happens in Singapore or Japan, really. Um, I, think I don't see it going much longer than that. Maybe Could you imagine? Yeah, with that yeah. Honda engine in the back. Oh, but it's, but it's not a Honda. It's a Red Bull Powertrain, Sam. You can't yes, say that. What does this say on the side of the Red Bull at the moment? HRC. Exactly. <laughs> what does HRC um, stand for, Sam? Um, Hearts Regional College. <laughs> Close. No. Uh, Honda Racing Corporation. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Shout out there to the college that could have had me as a student, but didn't, because oh. I did sick form instead. Well, there you go. There you go. Right. We've been going for an hour and a half, so I think uh, we're going to have to wrap it up on this second part. Let's do that. Um, yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Selfie Auto, follow us on social media. Thank you, Sam, for joining me. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing. Well, we'll be back in a, probably a few. When was it? A few weeks until the end of the season. It's not that long. Couple no. Of months. Uh, we shall... Won't be long. Yeah. And um, we'll see you next time. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye.